Today I'm going to be talking about Libertarian Judaism's view on the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanction movement, otherwise known as BDS. So, the BDS movement is inherently bigoted in fundamental ways. And I'll spell out a little bit of their ideology to make this clear. They essentially believe in punitive economic measures. First, you can say, is some primary step in order to stop the settlements. But you can tell, and they fully admit when you actually view their own resources, that they're actually trying to end the state of Israel. And this is really an interesting place to stand ideologically because you could easily see how disagreeing with policy is legitimate regardless of whether the country is Jewish or not. And you could even do it for security policies. So you could even say, I don't think that the checkpoints are a tolerable policy. I don't care if it keeps people safer or not. I don't want Palestinians getting pulled aside at checkpoints. You can say something like that that might endanger lives and Jewish lives in particular without being bigoted against Jews or the only Jewish state. But when you go to this level of calling for it, the country not to exist... There's no argument that they can honestly provide to say they're not just anti-Jew. And this can be clearly demonstrated by going to another country that's based largely, if not wholly, on ethnicity, which is Japan. If I said, I want to wipe out Japan, I want to wipe Japan off the face of the map, it's very hard to argue that that's not anti-Japanese. It's the only Japanese country in the world. So it doesn't matter that there happen to be Japanese people in Korea or America or Canada. That's not relevant, really. You're taking a clear step in a direction that's very anti-Japanese. And you could say this for dozens of countries. If I wanted to wipe Finland off the face of the earth... I can understand how Finnish people would think I'm anti-Finnish. That's extremely fair. If I'm targeting the state that is the sole ethnic state for you, I don't know how you cannot feel targeted, and reasonably so. And what's also relevant for this is thinking about other countries relative to Israel. Because if the Jewish country were also the worst human rights violator, then it would be very easy to gloss over the fact that it's Jewish, because that wouldn't really be the relevant distinction at the moment. But Israel isn't even remotely the worst human rights violator, even if you cede all the claims that are made. Even steel manning the BDS argument and saying, 
Israel is trying to ethnically cleanse all of Palestine. Israel has no claim to exist, and it's a European colonial regime. Even ceding that to them, which I don't believe at all, but for the sake of argument, just think about what a country like China is doing. China is actively settling Han Chinese people in Tibet to change the demographics and form a justification to colonize non-Chinese land. So they're saying, oh, look, look at all the Chinese people there. Of course it's meant to be Chinese. Meanwhile, it's very easy to flood a minorly populated country when you have 1.5 billion people. Moreover, the Chinese have devastated Tibet's Buddhist temples and all sorts of holy sites in an attempt to, if not wipe out, at least disable Tibet's Buddhist culture. So this is all very similar to the case that these activists make about Israel. So why don't they also boycott China? And it's because it would actually be inconvenient. It's very easy to boycott Israel. Don't use SodaStream. Be careful who you buy your hummus from. I mean, it, it might get harder with microchips, but I don't think these people are looking that far into it. So a lot of technology is probably Israel made at some level. But this gets so much harder when you do it for China, where you wouldn't be able to buy literally a good three quarters of stuff on shelves in America. And if that's the difference between action and inaction for activists, that should tell everyone who sees them how righteous they are. Because they have nothing backing them besides a petty emotion that's based purely on ease. People who really believe in civil rights actually believe in sacrifice. You can imagine the people who were having German shepherds sicked on them in the 60s and being sprayed with water hoses, that they'd be willing to not buy Chinese if they thought that was a real problem. These were people willing to actually undergo bad experiences and suffering to bring about a world they thought was more moral. The BDS activists, they're willing to sacrifice nothing. And they're not coming from a terribly moral place to begin with. And that they're not pulling from a universal value is completely evident. As opposed to people who have a real cause to fight for, they believe in it universally. So... Even applying this to completely immoral systems like communism, they want the whole world under communism. Similarly with classical liberals, you want the whole world to believe in fundamental rights. These people don't want the whole world to be lacking tyranny or intergroup oppression or anything of the like 
the only universal value they could be pulling from is that they don't like Jews. The only universal value that would make sense seeing how they go about implementing what they want to implement is that they don't want Jews to have a state. They don't believe Jews should have a state. If they really believed in beleaguered and oppressed racial minorities in the Middle East, they would be preaching for a free Kurdistan. They would be advocating for remapping the Middle East along ethnic and racial lines, if not religious lines as well. There are real steps to take if those were actually their values. And that's how you can tell their values are really only to do with Jews. And that's a very weird place to take this. And you can also see this in activist treatment of just normal Jews going about their business, not at a Zionist rally, if such things still happen, not at a pro-Israel event, none of this. They see a person in a yarmulke and they'll start yelling, you know, in Britain they yell, Zio pig, and all this nonsense. You hear these stories and it's completely incoherent how they made that step. And it shows what's in their own heads actually quite well. And this isn't normally a game I think it's worthwhile to get into is predicting what's in people's heads, but the steps are actually quite clear here. Because if they were thinking about oppression of beleaguered minorities, then Jews in Britain should be fought for, not fought against. They're really just anti-Jew. And it actually is that blunt in this circumstance, which is hard to really fathom. And I'm sure there are actually people who get lumped in with this group who don't have anything against Jews and don't want bad outcomes for Jews. But they've been fooled into an ideology that is horribly anti-Jewish. And I would put lots of liberal Jews in this group as well, where they have a sense of their Jewishness that depends on Jews being a victim. So they see a people they consider a new victim, the Palestinians, and think, ah, oh, they're the new Jews. They're who I need to fight for. Now my people are, you know, even the Nazis, these people will even say sometimes. This gets so absurd so quickly. But these people fall into it because they see it as a really moral thing to do. They're not, for the most part, evil people doing evil things. I think that's not true for some of the terrorists who are among this group's ranks. But for a lot of people, they honestly get fooled by a sense of being the global good guy. That they're doing global activism against oppressors and that they have such power. But they don't really maintain a difference between policy critiques and critiques of the existence of the state of Israel. And this tells you all you need to know about how well they've thought it out as well. Because almost any reasonable person 
will be dealing with the system in terms of a next move. So even anarchists you'll hear will not say, oh yeah, let's just get rid of all government because they know that's not going to happen. So they'll want smaller and smaller government or they'll want to get rid of things that are making the problem worse. And it's the same for communists on one side where they'll want to be start cutting off major capitalist enterprises. Very few people actually view the world in this holistic sense where you demand a solution to an entire problem you perceive. And it really underlies a very odd sentiment because anyone looking at Israel and thinking, oh my God, this is a terrible place, would want to do political activism, especially if they're Jewish. You can just go and get your citizenship. If you're old enough, you don't even have to serve in the military. So if you're a 40-year-old liberal activist, you can just go to Israel, get your citizenship, and start voting. You can start doing your activism as an Israeli citizen. There's nothing making this hard for you. So when people avoid that approach and instead jump to, nope, we just have to abolish Israel, it needs to not exist anymore, they're showing that they haven't thought out the issue and they don't really know the policies. Because as I said with checkpoints, you could have serious policy disputes, even on important security measures. And that can be totally legitimate. The problem comes when you start beginning to see the solution is not having Jews. As though the Middle East was a wonderful Eden before Jews started immigrating to Israel. This is laughable. Palestinian women, especially, still have the most rights of any country in the Middle East. This is not anywhere near the level of evil that they're proposing. And even then, they can't be bothered to look into what they're talking about. So these same activists who are involved in BDS are often involved in a lot of activism, as many activists are. So they don't hold themselves to a single issue. And you'll see similar people talking about gay rights and women's rights and all these other legitimate avenues to talk about. And then they'll speak out against Israel, the only country in the Middle East that has gay rights, has women's rights. And for anyone who needs this demonstrated to them, Israel has a pride parade that has twice now had the same man, an Orthodox Jew, try to stab as many people as he can, get arrested and tried. These are not... Israel is not a state run by religious fanatics. It's actually run by very reasonable, often secular Jews who just have a sense of Jewish identity. Even with that Jewish identity that 
a lot of these activists think is so bad, they are the country maintaining minority rights. So women, gays, all sorts of Middle Eastern religions with Armenian Christians, Druze, Samaritans, all being provided for by Israel and given really unique opportunities for their histories. The Druze in particular, there is a strange treatment of them under Islam that's varied between horrible and mediocre, and now they're very productive citizens in Israel because they finally have religious freedom, and they're treated as equal citizens. And they, by statistics, serve in the army at extraordinary rates, even though they have a right to refuse. They're genuinely great citizens. You provide them freedom, and they become the best they can be. That's a wonderful world, and it's exactly the one you'd want to create. And similarly, Samaritans, who are a really tiny group who are related to Jews, are finally getting adequate medical treatment. They have a lot of genetic problems because they're just drawing on such a small gene pool. And they were, again, either horribly neglected under Muslim societies or outright genocided. And this was true under uh, the Orthodox Christian Byzantines as well, where a Byzantine genocide of the Samaritans wiped out an entire tribe. And I mean this in the biblical sense, they actually had tribes still. And they literally lost them after this Byzantine genocide. So they have... A, horrendous history and suddenly Jewish doctors go to where most of them live now and regularly do all they can for them this is the same too for Christians who anyone who's been to the Armenian quarter in Jerusalem knows they're really thriving fairly uniquely and they're not actually at the center of problems which is probably even better for them so talking about the state of Israel as though it's this horrible, oppressive place, it's nonsense. You can look at those minorities and you can look to Muslim Arabs who are a quarter of Israel's population and see that they too are actually better off than in most countries that are Israel's neighbors. And there's certainly no apartheid of these people. If an Arab Muslim and an Ashkenazi Jew choose to marry or go abroad to get a marriage certificate, however they want to do this, the police will not come break up their family and arrest the two of them, as it would have been under apartheid. This is a really just society. And it's genuinely worried about minority rights, be it religious, racial, or anything else. And it's worth remembering that Jews are not white. Some Jews look white. But BDS people tend to have 
a perspective that Jews are this white people from eastern Poland. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Anyone who's been to Israel knows that Jews in New York City do not look like Jews in Israel. And that's because they're drawing on largely different genetic pools. Whereas American Jews are overwhelmingly Ashkenazi, especially on the East Coast, Israel is much more mixed and has a pretty hefty bit of Sephardi blood. So the idea that they, Israel's police are taking aside anyone who looks Arab, they would be pulling aside a lot of Jews. Not all Jews are wearing their yarmulke or tzitzis or anything. And not all Muslims are wearing any traditional garb either. A lot of people are just wearing pants and a shirt, like most modern people. And if you can predictably tell the difference between an Algerian Jew and an Algerian, that's impressive. These are not extremely easy to distinguish peoples. Jews bred with the populations with which they lived. This is universal. So Indian Jews look Indian. Polish Jews look more Polish. North African Jews look North African. This is true of anywhere. So pretending that Israeli society even could pull this racism is actually very difficult. The one group it is actually easy to do this for is Ethiopian Jews. And they actually do face kind of a hard time. They're really the only ones, and that's from an odd, unique history with Israel and a unique history of just how they got to Israel, where it was largely by fleeing as opposed to making a journey and bringing whatever money you had. So they started out worse, and unfortunately they've stayed on the lower end of things but that's about the story you have and if someone wanted to go much further than me on the treatment of Ethiopian Jews on that account it would be very easy to see how it wouldn't be anti-Jewish it would actually be a state issue that Israel has a problem with how it treats this group. And that would be an interesting conversation to have. But that's the problem. It's not this sort of concocted Jewish colonization scheme that BDS activists like to make it out to be. Israel is a, an extremely multiracial country. Jews are not a single race, even though there is a kin bond between all Jews. And moreover, Israeli society is not the monoracial scheme that alt-right folks make it out to be, where they pretend this is an ethno-state. Israel is only three-quarters Jewish. 
that's hardly an ethnostate by any definition. This is a deeply mixed society. It has had all three Abrahamic religions throughout the modern state's existence and throughout much of history. So, if the state of Israel came about looking to ethnically cleanse this land and make it a white Jewish stronghold in the Middle East, they're clearly the most incompetent people in the world, and you shouldn't worry about them. They've done nothing. They've increased the life expectancy of Palestinian Arabs. That doesn't sound like how genocide happens. They've helped all these other small religious minorities that have struggled for 2,000 years to exist. And now they finally have a society in which they're free and equal citizens. If this is what these people think apartheid or colonization or genocide look like, they're doing a tremendous disservice to people these things have actually been done to. Can you imagine speaking to Armenians in the Armenian Genocide and saying, yes, Palestinians are also being genocided, and telling them, oh yeah, it's being done by profiling based on statistics. The Armenians were marched through the desert, intentionally led to die. They were led along the hardest path so the most of them possible would die. That's genocide. It's intentional. And it's really targeted, and it works. When you're trying to kill massive portions of the population, it's very easy. And you can see this equally from how the Soviet Union dealt with smaller satellite states, where Stalin was able to starve off millions of Ukrainians just by inaction. This doesn't take a lot to do when you're in power. If Israel wanted to really starve out Gaza as people pretend the state of Israel does to them, they call this an open-air prison, if Israel really wanted to do this, it would be done. Gaza is not full of farmland. This is a tiny strip of some of the worst land in the area, short of the Sinai, which is pure desert. This is not good land. If this area was targeted to be really under siege, it would be gone. This is clearly not Israel's goal. The same with the West Bank. This is not an area devoid of Israel's help. And moreover, Judaism doesn't say anything about Islam. There is no long tradition of Judaism preaching against Islam and saying to do anything bad to Muslims. Maimonides is, says you can pray in mosques. This is a religion that Jews have largely not had a problem with theologically. It's not, it's obviously not matching our religion, but it's not actually very problematic. They're, they take a strong stand against idolatry, and while not perfect with 
their slaughter practices. They do stuff like that better. They have a lot of similar laws to Jewish laws, and it makes it very easy to live alongside each other when they're willing to have us. But Islam does actually target Jews uniquely. This is clear from Hadith. This is clear from a lot of things. And this sort of blaming the real target of violence for the fight is really disgusting. And seeing this coming from convicted terrorists is even grosser. Just put side by side the case of a man like Maimonides, who receives universal praise for living among Muslim societies and that this was a golden age for Jewish-Muslim relations. And put that alongside minority religious groups living in Israel. Maimonides had to flee one Arab state to get to another safe Arab state when one Arab state turned violently against Jews. So he had to flee Andalusia and go to Egypt where he was treated wonderfully and was the Sultan's physician. But he only got to that place because of the original mistreatment. He fled Muslim anti-Semitism and went somewhere where he did quite well under a tolerant Muslim society. Meanwhile, Israel has never forced people out. Palestinians fled in 1948 because they were assured by Israel's Arab neighbors that those Arab states would immediately take back the land and they could go back to their homes. This didn't happen, and these people are still cast out of their homes. And this is far from ideal. So this shouldn't be treated like a solution. This is a really bad state of affairs, too, because it does genuinely leave a grievance unanswered. That needs a solution, and we need to find a way to deal with it. But that's a hugely different situation than an entire state turning against a religious minority, as Andalusia did under the Almohads or the Almoravids, however you'd like to call them. Israel is a state that genuinely protects minority rights. And anyone who doesn't believe this is either completely susceptible to the most petty propaganda, or they just haven't done the research, or maybe both. So, this is a fight that can actually be won with people who are ideological opponents. The BDS movement is very easy to take down if you do the research, and if you know enough to speak about it. And moreover, for a lot of people, at least who you would be interacting with, they're going to be the reachable among this group. So, odds are anyone listening to this is not friends with Palestinian terrorists, who, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm going to convince, 
nor will anyone else. I'm pretty sure they've picked a side and they're going to stay on it. But well-meaning people who go to the BDS movement thinking they're doing something right and really thinking they're taking care of troubled or underprivileged or besieged people, you can actually give them the case and have them judge for themselves. Odds are they will actually make the right choice in this if you know enough to actually answer their questions. This isn't a terribly black and white issue, but it's very easy to poke holes in the BDS argument and very easy to provide counterexamples, as I did with China earlier. And similarly with other racial minorities or ethnic minorities, you can pose very simple questions to them. So if you have Mexicans in America who are pro-BDS because they also feel as though they're an ethnic underclass in some sense, you can just ask them, how would you feel if someone said, Mexico shouldn't exist? We need to wipe that off the map. They're not going to be able to contain themselves and be rational in that moment, but irrational in the BDS moment. They're going to have an emotional reaction to saying their own country shouldn't exist, because who wouldn't? That's a huge threat. To even suggest that, we take for granted how inappropriate this is, because this is actually a part of the political mainstream nowadays somehow is to take this stand against Israel's existence. And thank God this isn't a normal stance, but it's in the conversation. Anyway, I hope this helps people go about any discussion about this they might have in the future. This is an argument that's worth winning for people who really believe in freedom and liberty. This isn't even just relevant for Jews. This is really important for Western societies generally. If we can call free societies oppressive for perceived slights, even though they provide the most rights of anyone, we're undermining something really critical to the West. And this is the virtue of the West that we offer these liberties, even to people who would otherwise be powerless if we didn't let them into the system. So don't be afraid to have this fight. It's an important one. And again, it's one we need to win. And if you're interested in the ideas I'm discussing, find more on our own website, libertarianjudaism.com, or on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash libertarianjudaism. Thanks for listening. Bye.